Amen. Good morning, Calvary. How are you doing today? Doing great? You're looking great. Amen. What a wonderful time of celebration and, and worshiping the Lord. Uh, today I have the privilege to share God's word. And I want to start with a question. How many of you like and love cooking or baking? Hey Amen. I'm glad for you. I'm happy for you because I'm not one of those. I love to try recipes. I like, you know, when someone tells me, hey, I prepared this, I cooked this, I baked this. I, I'm one of those that says, yes, I could, I could eat it, you know, wholeheartedly. Um, so today, as we wrap up the sermon series on the book of Ephesians, uh, we're going to have this title. And uh, as we plan the sermon series, I, I look at the title and I say, well, the essential ingredients. So today, as we examine uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18, it was supposed to be 20 to 24, but I got a little bit of the context starting on the uh, verse 18. We talk about the essential ingredients. So if we, if we could recap uh, Ephesians, in the first three chapters, we have a key word that is called rich. You know, and the last three chapters, we have a key word that is called walk. So the first three chapters is rich, and then the last three chapters is walk. So the first three chapters talk to us about the doctrine, about the richness that we have in Christ, uh, who we are in Christ, how is it that we possess so many things in Christ. Uh, it's, it's full of doctrinal statements. Toward the last three chapters, then we have the practical things in there. Uh, how is it that we are to have communion with God, communion with others, uh, you know, at home, at work, uh, you know, parents and, and children, children and parents. Uh, and then last week, we talked about the armor of God. Do you remember last week's sermon? Okay, I, I'm going to pray and fast for you. But yes, so, so uh, as we conclude today, we're going to talk about the essential ingredients. And we find ourselves in Ephesians 6, 18 to 24. And this is what the word of God says. And I pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I might declare, what? What does it say there? Fearlessly, as I should. Tikikos, this is a good name, if you're having or expecting a baby. Tikikos, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that also might know how I am and what am I doing here? You know, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you might know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus with an undying love. So today we're going to a bake or something. I don't know what I'm going to do here. Maybe a tortilla or maybe, I don't know. But we're going to 
put together some ingredients and I'm gonna get this apron that was given to us, to the pastoral staff. Thank you for your tithes and offerings, you know. And then I'm gonna tie it here. I learned this from the first service because it was hanging. Now, second service, you do it better. Okay, then we're gonna be adding some ingredients today. You know, uh, my kids are in, you know, Selena is 12, and my, my youngest, he's 10, and, and I changed kind of the way I preach since they've been listening to me, and um, so illustrations help, okay? I'm hoping that if you didn't pay attention these 13 weeks, we're going to make it up today. We already say that the first three chapters is about rich, being rich in Christ, and the last three chapters is about our walk in Christ. And today, we're going to add the first element, and the Apostle Paul here says, pray in the spirit. So you're going to read it with me. Pray in the spirit. So I'm going to add here some flour because flour is always good. You know, some flour. We have plenty. I just have this service and another service. So I think I'm going to put three. Yeah, the first service I just put one just in case. But since you are so nice, I put three of those. Because we need prayer. You know, the Apostle Paul is talking about pray in the Spirit. And he says, in all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. We need to pray in the Spirit. So, when we accept Jesus in our heart, we receive the Spirit of God. And it is the Spirit of God, the one that helps us to pray. Sometimes, I don't know if that happens to you, but it happens to me. I don't want to pray. Confession time. Sometimes do you want to pray or sometimes you don't feel like praying? But then the Spirit convicts you of praying. The Spirit tells you, you are to pray. And the Apostle Paul is saying, you are to pray. We have the first three chapters, talks about the richness in Christ. Then we talk about our walk in Christ. And the apostle is talking about, you know, our relationship with God. He's talking about our relationship with others. And then he's talking about the spiritual richness. And he's talking about the armor of God. But the, the way that we put on the armor of God, it is through prayer. You can know the meaning of the armor of God. You can know what it, you, what it entails, what it means, what it does. You can know all the things. It, it is a conceptual knowledge but it is only until when you pray that you put on the armor of God and he's saying you are to pray in all occasions James chapter 1 verse 14 says every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed you know I put on this uh, this verse in here because we have an active diligent enemy that he wants to devour us. He wants to destroy us. How many hunters or fishermen and women we have here? Raise your hand. Good, good for you. Bring some fish next time, okay? Share the blessing with me. Hunters, you know. It, you know, the word in the original Greek, it says, you know, that the enemy is waiting. He, he prepares the bait so, so that the prey will come at the precise particular moment. And you have to be patient. All those fisher, fisher men or women here, you know that you have to wait. I, I don't like fishing as much because I'm, I'm not that type of guy that likes to wait. So you have to wait. Then you have to throw it and you have to wait. 
then you have to throw it and then you have to wait. The enemy is like that. And the Apostle Paul is bringing the illustration that we as believers, we have the armor of God, but the only way that it will make sense to us and it will be effective to a believer is when you put it on. When you pray, and it says you have to pray in all occasions, in all circumstances. We have here the armor of God, but we have to put it on, the provision of prayer. So it talks about praying generally and specifically. Verse 18, it says the word here speaks of general requests made to God. By its own definition, when you pray, it's simply talking to God. Some people say when you pray, you talk to God, right? But it's not only talking to God. I will defer with that. I will say that praying is communicating with God. You talk to him and he talks to you back. You talk to him and he talks to you. And the only way that he talks to you is through his word. And the only way that you hear him is through his word. And the Apostle Paul is saying, you put on the armor of God, you pray in the spirit in all occasions, in all circumstances. And when you pray, then you are victorious through Christ because you are empowered through the Holy Spirit, through the revelation of the word. And now you have all the spiritual capabilities to fight it. Woof, I'm getting excited here. Mm, I have to pray for you. You know, Martin Luther says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. So prayer becomes our breathing. When you pray, you are breathing power in your life. And the Apostle Paul is always talking to us about prayer in all occasions. There are certain religions in the, word, in the world that they pray different times of the day, right? Uh, we went with Chad to India and we went to one of these temples and, and we saw how these people would pray and we interviewed it, some people from the India and man, they pray a lot. They pray more than some of the Christians do. Right? And then you, if you have some more religions, I'm not going to mention those, but they pray like five times during the day, and they pray. No matter where they are, they pray. The Apostle Paul says, for the believers, is not the time of prayer. You pray at all times. When you're sitting down, when you are waking up, when you're going to the mall, when you're going to work, when you're studying for revelation, you know, you pray at all times. Christians, we are to communicate with God at all times. You know, and the Bible doesn't specify, and it mentions different ways that you can pray. You can pray, you know, alone. You can pray with people. You can pray sitting down, kneeling down. You can pray, you know, it's not about the form. It's not about the position. It is about the attitude of your heart. Church, we are to pray more. Church, we are to pray more. Church, we are to pray a little bit more. For the believer to be victorious, we have to pray more. We pray in private. We pray with loud voices. We pray in times that we want to pray. We pray in times that we don't want to pray. We pray when we are ill, when we are sick, when we are fine, when we are joyful, when we are in distress, when we are mourning someone, when we, are, we have lost someone. We, you know, we pray in weddings. We pray in funerals. I had a funeral. I had a wedding this weekend. And then I have the three services today. It's been a great weekend. You know, and we pray all the time. Pray, it is like that. We pray in all circumstances. And then that takes us to praying constantly. So I'm going to put some, I don't think it's tortilla because I have here some sugar. 
So I think this is converting to a muffin. Okay, sugar. How many of you like sugar? Okay, yeah, I was gonna say yes. Some of you look like you eat sugar. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, praying constantly, you know? Sugar is good. I, I like sugar too. Uh, I, you know, uh, sugar is great and uh, my kids love sugar. Uh, um, we have to add sugar to many things to make like the flavor. Uh, to, the taste is like very tempting. Some of those, and now we are entering into this season that is the five pound, 10 pound season, gaining season, gaining friendship, but gaining weight. Um, in our Christian walk, we have to pray constantly. The word here talks to us about rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant prayer. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. You know, Colossians says, continue in prayer and watch in the same way with thanksgiving. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without, pray without, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Okay. I memorized the scripture too. There is more than just wanting to pray. It is the attitude of praying more. It is not by what we do. God doesn't need us to pray. We need to pray. <laughs> we need to be in continued prayer with him. We need to ask. We need to be in communion with the Lord. You know, we have different parables in the scriptures. Jesus addressed this matter, and the first one is, is the neighbor that comes in the middle of the night, and he asked that, that his request would be granted. And then we find that, that the Lord says, yes, let it be granted. And then we find this widow that is very persistent, persistent and persistent, and the Lord says, yes, let it be granted. And then we are to be like that. We are to pray more. We are to pray more. A couple of weeks ago, I, I was teaching a conference in Oklahoma for the convention, and, and then I had this gentleman, he came right before the conference, and, and then he, he told me, Pastor, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for your daughter, I'm praying for your family, and, and I was thinking, who in the world told this guy about my daughter? <laughs> he said, well, there is a prayer chain, and I got the text message, and I've been praying for you, I'm praying for your family, and I said, well, that was, that was so neat. To know that we have a, a, a body of Christ praying and interceding because that's what the Apostle Paul says. You know, verse 19, pray for each other and pray for me, the Apostle Paul says. Pray for me. There is nothing wrong to ask people to pray for you or for me. I really and deeply and wholeheartedly appreciate when you say you pray for me, but better pray for me, don't lie. And when I say I'm going to pray for you, I pray for you. I put you in my list, and while I'm doing exercises in, in the morning, I'm, I'm praying. Because the list keeps going and going, and you have to pray. It is good to pray. But you know what? The Apostle Paul is not asking for selfish prayers. He's like this guy that came to me a, a couple of months ago, and he says, Pastor, I don't want to pray anymore. And I say, why? He says, because God doesn't listen to my prayers. He doesn't hear my prayers. I always ask. He never answers. You know, I pray and I pray and, and I, I, I just never receive anything that I ask for. And I say, well, what is it that you do? I say, I just ask him. What is it that you ask? I ask him for this, this and that. And he say, well, have you, have you opened the scriptures lately? He says, no, no, I don't like to read. I say, well, okay. Do you have a Bible app? He says, yes. Can you, can you play the Bible app once in a while? And while you pray, you put the Bible app. Maybe God wants to tell you something. Say, let's try it for a month. And, and then you come back and then we have a conversation. Say, let's try it. I treat you coffee next time. So he tried it for a month and we met at one of those coffee places where all those conversations happened, very meaningful conversations with a cup of coffee. And, and then he was there and I said, how did it go? And he said, well, pastor, you know what? 
Now, when I hear God's word, I just felt like I just, I've been asking for so much. And I said, okay, finally. I just felt like I just needed to stop and, and listen. I said, oh, yes, that happens to us. I just felt like I just needed to hear God. And I said, yes, because prayer is more than just prayer requests all the time. Prayer is listening to God's voice. And perhaps... You have been interceding and you have been asking for so many things because we all do. But we have to sometimes be in silence and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to know today? Secondly, proclaim the gospel. You know, read here this with me. Proclaim the gospel. Again, proclaim the gospel. You know, verse 1920, it says, so that I may know the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it, uh, it fearlessly as I should. It says here, pray with boldness. The Apostle Paul is saying he's in prison. The Apostle Paul is not in the island, in Cancun. Oh, glory to God. Cozumel. Hmm, I'm feeling the spirit. But no, the Apostle Paul is in chains. The Apostle Paul is in prison. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to encourage the people in the oikos, in the homes, in the home churches through Asia Minor. And he's encouraging them to strengthen themselves in prayer, to give them doctrinal statements and practical ways to apply the doctrinal statements because it is not only orthodoxy, it is orthopraxy. It is what we know and what we do. It is, it is to learn to obey. Is that the Great Commission, right? It says to obey and teach them to obey the things that I have commanded them to do. That's, you know, but we have the conceptual knowledge about prayer, but we don't pray. The only way that we know how to pray is by praying. The only way that we know how to share the gospel is by sharing the gospel, by proclaiming the gospel. And it's not only about how, what, how many tools you know, if you know the faith, if you know EE, if you know the three circles, if you know, you know, it's not about just that. It is a disposition to proclaim the gospel day in and day out, in prison, out of prison, at work, at home, anywhere. You and I are proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We proclaim. So the Apostle Paul says, pray for me so that when I open my mouth, I will be bold. I will be clear that people will understand the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to proclaim that gospel whenever I am. If I'm in prison or without prison, I want to become a proclaimer of the living word of the gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms my life. I could transform many other lives. And I pray so that you pray for me. You pray for me. I pray for you so that the gospel will be expanded among the nations, not only here, here, but among the nations. Paul wasn't seeing himself only in prison. He was seeing the churches in Asia Minor and then also in other parts of the world because that's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I better put some more things here. This is on cinnamon. I think this is becoming like a muffin slash cinnamon roll. 
maybe. Oh, my goodness. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, praying with boldness. We have to ask God to pray for boldness. Also, praising God through our sufferings. Praising God through our sufferings. There is this verse that you have heard it. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. This is what the word of God says. It says, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. And read it with me. That last statement is powerful. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Whew. You know, and if you go back like two chapters, you'd see what happened to the Apostle Paul. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was, he, oh my goodness. It's like a whole description in there. Like if you want to boast, the Apostle Paul says, I think in, in chapter 10, he said, you want to boast that you've been suffering? Let me share a little bit with you. <laughs> and then he describes it right there. And he says, but when I am weak, he's strong. When we are weak, we are so fragile, so weak, then he's strong through us, through the power of Jesus Christ. We can praise God in our suffering, in our suffering. The other day I went to visit a, a lady uh, from our congregation and, and he was in the bed of a hospital and I went to pray for her and then she opened her eyes and she looked right straight to me with those, you know, green eyes. And she told me, Rolando, I, I want to pray for you. I want to have my last prayer with you. And I said, oh my. I just pray for her. And she says, can I pray for you? This might be my last prayer for you. And I say, of course. She held my, my hands and she looked at my eyes. And she was connected with many wires and difficulty breathing. She looked at me and she said, let's pray. And she said, Lord, I, I, I ask you for Pastor Rolando and for this young pastor and his family. And I pray that your will will be done in his life, that until the last moment of his life, he will be a proclaimer of the gospel, giving courage and strength. Bless him and his family. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. I was composing myself. I didn't want to cry in the room. But after I left the room, I got in my car, and I started crying. And I say, Lord, thanks for reminding me that we can glorify you through our sufferings, and we can be proclaimers of the grace, undeserved faith that Jesus Christ gives us, and that we can say in the last moments of our life, let your will be done, and pray for someone else. Whew, that was powerful. I want to cry now. 13. Serving as ambassadors. The Apostle Paul said in First Peter, First Peter says, not the Apostle Paul, First Peter says, chapter 2, verse 9, says, But you are chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And it says that you might what? Declare the praises of him who call you out 
of darkness into his wonderful light. So we are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to serve as ambassadors of Jesus. And third, I know I have 30 minutes to preach here. Okay, so we have here the third one. Pray in the spirit. This one is serve in a community of faith. Read it with me. Serve in a community of faith. The Apostle Paul talks to us about partnering with other believers. Verse 21, it says, Tychicus, Tychicus, good name, Tychicus, the dear brother of faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything. You know, who was Tychicus? Tychicus was an encouragement to Paul. We find Tychicus along with other disciples in Acts chapter 20. You know, he was part of the group that went with him through Macedonia and Greece. We find Titicos there. And then the Apostle Paul is not only saying, you know, I want you to pray for me. I'm sending someone that is a close disciple of mine to encourage you, to let you know how I'm doing here. So he will encourage you. You will learn from him. And as you know, we always believe that the Apostle Paul was the greatest preacher, but he probably wasn't. The Apostle Paul was, you know, church planter, very good leader, empowering leader. He wasn't like the greatest preacher. There are some, some theologians that say that he was actually boring. But then you have an Apollos that he was a great charismatic preacher and he would just preach. And that's why you have these verses that say, no, some people is just with Apollos, some people is with me. But it's Christ, the one who received the glory. And the Apostle Paul is sending Titicus because he knew something, that the Christian life is not to live alone. It's never intended to be alone. The Christian life is never designed for us to live in a silo, in, in private. You have your private life, I have my private life. But when you come to Christ, you and I have been adopted into a local body and to a global body of Christ. And you and I have been placed into a community of faith so that all the verses in Ephesians, that the gifts, that the talents, that we are building up the body of Christ so that it could be mobilized to accomplish the great commandment mission to to be proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ by serving that's what the Bible says here and it talks about empowering and commissioning what an encouragement it was to be part of the family of God it is an encouragement to be part of the family of God amen that whenever we go whatever we go we have family in Christ we have family in Christ. We have, we have belonged to a community of faith where people understand that it is solely by his grace, it is by his mercy, it is by the power of Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, we find that. That's what in our church we commission and we empower people. That's what we pray for the nations. That's what we pray for people to be mobilized. That's what we have our, our purpose statement. You know, Calvary exists to make disciple makers for the glory of God among the nations. And it, is, it is not only a silo it is not only a private it is a global wide kingdom of God expression where you and I become proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ by serving the only way that you know that you're good at it 
is by serving. <laughs> you know, uh, the only way that you know what gift you have is by serving. You know, you need to serve. You and I need to serve in a community of faith. The Apostle Paul had a lot of disciples. And, and when, he, when he says there is no place left for me to reach here, he's talking about all his disciples with him. And this is an example. Tychicus was a disciple of, of Paul. And he's sending him to encourage the churches. So, so the Apostle Paul learned this. You come with me, you see then when you see, I do it with you. Then the next time you do it by yourself. That's called empowerment. You come, you see. Next time you come, you do it with me. The next time you go and you are commissioned and I pray for you. The Apostle Paul knew what it was to be simple, biblical, and reproducible. And that's what we have to do in our Christian walk. We have to disciple other people. We have to commission other people. We have to empower other people, other believers, to accomplish the Great Commission. And the Apostle Paul says, well, you are to keep love, faith, grace through Jesus Christ. Note that the words of the Apostle Paul, he used here, peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding. He talks about love, the love of Christ through Jesus, his unconditional, never giving up, unbreakable love of Christ and he's talking about grace the the grace is the undeserved gift that we have received through Jesus Christ he's talking about the words that come through Jesus he was a prisoner of Rome yet he was richer than the emperor no matter the circumstances Paul was a recipient of God's grace and his sermons and his epistles are always based in the concept of prayer and grace and merciful, you know, power of Christ through Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. We are to live in that way. So let me put some water here because water is always good. I don't know. I have some water here. I have some more condiments here. Let me put this. I don't know what it is. <laughs> We're doing a recipe here. I don't know. Faith, love, grace through Jesus Christ. We need, we need love from Jesus. We need grace every day. We need faith every day. And the Apostle Paul is talking to us about this because the only way that we find hope, faith, love, and grace is through Jesus and Jesus alone. He is the maximum expression of hope and faith and grace. We are very diverse in our church, and, uh, but we have one accord that is Jesus. We have one spirit that is Jesus. We have one love that is through Jesus. He, he unites us all the time because it is the power of Christ through the, through the Holy Spirit and through his word. He has never left us, abandoned us, or forsaken us. Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ is always with us. His promise is to be with us in the moments of sorrow, of pain, or tribulation, in the moments that you are in the valley of the shadow of death, Right there, the peace of God, Jesus himself, takes over. The lordship of the Lord takes over. 
The Lordship of Christ reigns in our lives. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. You and I have to keep that faith, that love, and that grace, that grace through Jesus Christ. We are blessed with all the spiritual blessings. And then we have here some things that we need to do. We have the summary of the whole epistle. You know, you want to read it with me? You didn't pay attention 13 weeks. This is your chance to be redeemed. You know, we walk assured in the power of Christ. That's the first thing. Chapter 1 and chapter 2 talks to us about the power of Christ. You and I are very powerful. Yet, we walk as weak. Yet, we don't take the spiritual possessions that we have in Christ. We have been saved by grace. We, are, we, have, we have all the possessions spiritually. We have been given a position scripturally. In Christ, we are justified through Christ. We, we have been sanctified through the, through, the, through the word and through the blood of Jesus. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit reigning and living every single day in our lives. So we have to walk assured in the power of Christ. Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2. It is by grace that you are safe. It is not, you know, by any human effort so that nobody would boast. That's my translation. No one would boast. It is by grace and only by grace. Secondly, we have to embrace the spiritual richness. You know, recently uh, I received these, uh, these emails. I always get emails from people that says that I have an inheritance somewhere. Have you received some of those? And this one was like real. Like a guy from Canada that he was like, I don't know how many generations, and he was an Aguirre and a wire in, in Canada. Oh, I'm Colombian. Oh, but in Canada and, and all these things, and you know, you have, you have to claim your inheritance, and they, they send me the death certificate, and it was like a whole fake thing. Of course, I didn't fall, okay? I, I won't do that. But when you really have an inheritance, you have to claim it. You have to claim it. When my grandmother died a couple of years ago, she left something, she left some letters for me, and I have to claim it. I have to go to Colombia and get those, and I, I read those. You have to claim some things. Spiritually and positionally, we have to claim our inheritance in Christ, and we have to embrace that, not only knowing that it is teaching to obey, and Christian life sometimes is conceptual, it is intellectual, it is knowledge, but it is not practice. It is orthodoxy and it is not autopraxy. We have to do the walking in Christ. We have to embrace the spiritual promises. We have a lot of richness in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to be victorious in our lives. And we have to embrace it, those spiritual richness. Then thirdly, we have to walk in purity and unity. Hmm, this is a good one. Purity, you have to walk, and you have to work in your sanctity, in your sanctification. Of course, it's a, it's a progressive thing. We have positionally been justified through Christ, and we have a gradual, you know, sanctification. But we have to, you know, depend on Christ through, through the grace that he has given us to be able to be in sanctity, to be in holiness. 
That's what the Bible says, to be in holiness. And then to be in unity. We are so different. I told the man a couple of weeks ago that I, I married a, a BMW, a beautiful Mexican woman. I'm Colombian-American. I came here when I was 19, and uh, I didn't drive in my country. I don't know. I don't know many things. I didn't work in my country. I, was, I, I came here to college all the way to graduate school and doctoral degree and everything. So many of my life is here, and many of the things I know here, but I, I'm, I'm thankful that, that the Lord brought me here and, uh, into a community of faith that loved me, that nurtured me, uh, that has become my family. Uh, and somehow the Church of Christ is like that. The first service, second service, and third service, we, we, we just live because the unity comes from, from the Holy Spirit and through the Word and through the power of Him working in, in and day out in our lives. Amen? Do you believe that? That's Christ. And then talks about walking in purity and unity and also in submission and victory. In submission and victory. So this whole idea on, on chapter 4 and chapter 5 and even chapter 6, especially chapter 5 and chapter 6 that talks about the relationships at home and, you know, parents and, and, and children and then at work. And it talks about our relationship in marriage. It talks about all the relationships. And then all of a sudden we have the armor of God in verse 10. And then it takes us to verse 18. It says, you know, all those things make sense when you pray. When you put on and you put off. When you put on the armor of God through Jesus Christ. And the whole armor of Christ is Jesus. He is our justice. He is our truth. He is our, he is our, he is our strength. He is our peace. He is the gospel it says. When you have Christ, you and I have everything we need. We have everything we need. But we have to live our lives in submission and victory. So, he talks here about unity, submission, and victory. Here we have victory. If you see it, chances are that you will remember next week. You know, read it with me. Victory. Okay. Submission. And then unity. And then I'm missing one. Purity. The only way that we can live our Christian life, it is through Christ. The only way that we can embrace the spiritual richness is through Christ. And the only way that we could be encouraged, it is through Christ. I'm gonna put some more things in here. I think oil is good. Okay, I haven't put this, I don't know what it is. And then, we're going to blend it. Mm. Oh, I got very excited. As you can see, I don't have experience doing this. But you get the analogy. The only way that the essential ingredients will be met is through the power of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Can you please stand up? Let's pray. Let's pray to God today. I don't know how, 
how's your spiritual walk with the Lord? I don't know. Sometimes I feel discouraged as well, and sometimes I need prayer. Sometimes I feel down, not many times, but I have felt it. Sometimes I have felt like I don't have everything that I need to do what the Lord called me to do. Have you felt that way? We all have. But yet, through the study of Ephesians, we have learned that if you take those ingredients by itself, they don't taste good, right? But when you blend them, then you're able to eat them, and they're delicious. Today, Jesus Christ is giving us all those ingredients. But until you take them, until you adopt them, until you really live day in and day out, you will be able to experience the victory in Jesus. As we sing this song, you come to the altar and you say, Lord, I'm here. I'm here, Lord. You're so good. You are majestic. You are powerful. Your name rings in my life. And I want your life. I want your power. I want your strength. In all situations in my life, I want to pray. And I want to have this communion with you. Help me, Lord, to be a proclaimer, an ambassador, a living hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we sing, you come to the altar. Come to him. Just come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He's here.